This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. You've joined the Selady Mania podcast. I'm your co-host Nadine Sue, and thank you for being here for episode six. By my side, I have our sound engineer, Mark Mondoy. And ladies and gents, here is your host, Benson Sue. Hey, babe. What's up? Honey buns. <laughs> I, was, I almost called you not honey buns, but I'm going to just keep it. You, you can't do an episode without <laughs> calling me honey buns. Okay. Hi, Mark. Yo. So we've just passed the halfway point of the season. Halfway. Can you believe it? So this is episode six. So what? We're going to do 12? No. <laughs> it's, a, it's a general halfway point. It's not exact. 12 sounds like a lot. 12 is too much. I don't know. I can't handle that. You guys tell us what you want. I'm down no, for 12. Don't, no, don't tell us what you want. <laughs> I'm down for 12. 12 is a lot. We need a break. I don't know. We'll see. Let let Benson know. I'm I'm I think I'm down for twelve. <laughs> and then I'm gonna go on vacay. So all good. Um, okay. We have a special guest today, and this is another little bit of a different guest because we're talking to a guest from halfway around the world. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes. We had to figure out time differences and everything, but um, we're yeah. One of us to... is in the future right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And our guest today is in Tokyo, Japan, right now. So I'm really excited. Are you? Should we talk about him, or yeah, should let's I just do my intro? Okay, here we go. Toshi Hayama currently lives in Tokyo, Japan, and it is president of Stage Ten Productions. Formerly, Toshi was the originator of Apex USA. He was the MC of D1GP USA and was the technical advisor for Fast and the Furious 3 Tokyo Drift and number 4. He brought to us the JDM Insider video series where he shared with us footage from Japan's street drifting and toge movement in the early 2000s. In recent years, Toshi was the MC for WTAC, that's World Time Attack, and was executive support for Toyota and Lexus HQ, with lots of behind-the-scenes access to what was going on over there. Toshi's favorite pastimes are cars, of course, cooking, raising edible plants, traveling, toge driving, ugh, lucky, and kids. So, Mr. Toshi Hayama, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Nadine. Thank you, Benson, for having me. Hopefully, hopefully, I don't make this your last episode after today. Okay, I know you guys got another six or so to go, but yeah, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, we're so happy to have you, and thank you for dealing with us in this whole time difference situation. But um, greetings. Yes, yes, thanks. No, no worries at all. No worries at all. Okay. It's good to see you, Toshi. It's been uh, I a know. really long time. You look the same, so I'm really happy to no, see dude, that. Time, time has not been been kind, but no, um, <laughs> no. You guys, everybody, all you guys look the same too. So that that's actually a really good thing. I think the last time we ran into each other, Mitsuo, like many years ago. But yeah, that was a really <laughs> so long time guys, ago. Yeah. 
I think it's yeah. all our like if you guys watching on YouTube, like I think it's all our like glam lighting we got going lighting. on. Oh, like Toshi's no. got it. We've got no. it. I straight up brought the ring light in the podcast studio in addition to my softbox. So I got like my Yeah. <laughs> How times have changed, right? Yes, yes. We know. We're in the know. Oh my so gosh. yeah. <laughs> now let's bring it. Let's do this. Yeah, let's do this. So, so Toshi, I asked, so far I've asked every single one of our guests this question and we've mm -hmm. kind of been in a lull because I've asked, uh, like when we started the podcast, we had really funny answers to this question. And the last ones, like people didn't really, didn't have like a funny answer. Um, so, so the pressure's on you. Don't let <laughs> us down. Listen when up. we all first got into cars, before we really knew what we were doing we, and before we really had the money to invest in our cars, we all did something pretty dumb to our cars to just, you know, make it faster or like something that we thought was cool. For example, Nadine cut half the springs on her car to lower it. Half, God, not like an inch, yeah. not, you know, not like three fingers or whatever. That just She just example. straight cut half. Stop. Well, I mean, you're the winner so far, so I have to use you <laughs> as an example. Toshi, is there something that you remember that you've done? That's such a, um, well, one the springs, like, Back then, that was not crazy. That was like whatever. <laughs> thank you. Did. Or you thank take them you. out. Yes. You don't need you to take them out. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And thank we you. didn't have spring compressors, so yeah. we would just stand on it and let it, and then just sort of take Ding. the air gun and poof, and then just rocket it into the wall <laughs> yes. in our apartment complex. So. Well, I thought that's um, when you get the um, the propane torch and you just heat it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You well, don't need a compressor I didn't have for access that. to that. Oh. So we that's just had like a home saw, and yeah. So so that's like normal. Um, I I was I was pretty Mickey Mouse with a lot of like electrical stuff and wiring. Ooh. I was really bad with that. So so like I I didn't like to cut and shorten wires. So I would just zip tie them all together and just hide it. Yeah. Um. So you know people would like try to help me out and I'd be you know take the dashboard down and 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 just <laughs> like all these wires would come out. So, <laughs> like and it was really bad. And I would just I wouldn't so cut and solder it back then. So I would just crimp them. Right. And you know, it's just a nightmare and then all of a sudden you're 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 driving down and your EVCs and all your boost controllers they scream. <laughs> <laughs> um or you know, way back in the day like my first 240 that I had, like the the like the 89, we we put nitrous on it and we didn't even know what we were doing. So we had the nozzle way down way down by the the airbox, like way down like not even, <laughs> Just get bigger nozzles and spray more. <laughs> yeah, like, so I guess that's, you know, and and we would go to the street races and we were racing this guy and and we were like neck and neck, right? And we're like, I guess both of our kits weren't working because yeah. he, he was supposed to be squeezing too. We get out of the car like, you're so fast. Hey, you too. Well, I'm squeezing. So am I. And then we looked and both like the systems weren't working and like, <laughs> oh, really? so maybe, gotta, maybe that's it. You had that's a five, good. five yeah. shot instead of a 50 shot. <laughs> yeah, but it was like a no shot. But yeah, that was <laughs> but, yeah there's too many to count. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, I, okay, yeah. I'll Thank, take it. Thanks for breaking that unlucky streak. Yeah, I'll take it. I like that. <laughs> a no, no shot. I like that. We'll call it the no shot NOS system. The no shot nitrous, yeah. <laughs> I like it. I'm down. <laughs> that's awesome. So... Um, I don't know if, uh, from what I can tell from the people that I've talked to, Toshi, a lot of people kind of know you as uh, the guy that did the uh, D1GP announcing, mm -hmm. um, or some people know you as the guy that did um, that helped with Fast and the Furious. 
but mm-hmm. I know you from the guy who started Apex. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, that's when I, yep. But I have, I, we have never really sat down to talk about this stuff. Can you ta- uh, let us know how that happened? I don't think I've ever done an interview where I've talked about it. So, so yes. back in 96, <laughs> um, you know, we were in the early 90s, we were street racing and it was only drag. There was no drift, obviously. So, um, you know, we had our crew, we would hang out at our local shop, Dynamic Auto Sports, and we were the OC kids. Then there were the, the East Side guys and then, you know, Monterey Park, you know, all the different cliques that eventually turned into sport compact drag industry. And some of those, like even Steph, Steph and Papadakis, all the guys, they went from there into pro drifting. And some of them are not, you know, Ed Bergenholtz there at the Nito team. So all these people, their roots are where we were, you know, on Maria and Aaron Street, um, Compton, that whole area, street racing. And uh, I was at an event and a guy named this Japanese guy in a fluorescent hat came up to me. He's like, hey, you Japanese, you want to help me, you know, just marketing. And it turned out to be Tomo Mizutani, who, who was eventually the president of Nito Tires and now is, you know, running the Toyo Tire outfit and all these other things. But at that time, he was just a guy walking around. So I, basically, he took me under his wing, introduced me. Um, I wrote a 60-page report uh, of the market demographics and sent it out to Apex. They sent a, the manager at that time to fly out to meet me the next weekend. Wow. Um, made a contract. Let's start a U.S. office. And then the guy quit. He got in an argument with Isamu Hasegawa, which was the younger brother of the H in HKS. Okay. So HKS was three guys. The older brother was the uh, engineer, the younger brother was the businessman. They split uh, after a, an accident in HKS Tokyo. Uh, and and then so we, we joined these guys. And so it was a big rivalry back then. And so I ended up running the office, starting it in my living room. Didn't have money for anything. So I took an option magazine photocopied the logo and that was my first business card um and then through through really good friends from street racing like i i pulled them from their other jobs i pulled them from their other thing and i go dude i'm not going to be your boss i'm not gonna whatever we just need to make the best tuning company we can i can get a budget for it let's try it and the, and the stuff you know at the time we were like hey it works so so i pulled some of the guys we were talking about earlier um in and we sort of created our own you know just you know, one good engineer, one good market, whatever, and started the team. And then uh, nine years later, uh, yeah, we were we were pretty pretty well established at that time. So, so in short, yeah. And so that time we got to break records with our R thirty three drag race car. Um, we had lots of fun in our front wheel drive drag race car with Steph and everybody else. Um, you know, worked a lot with you know the late Sean Carlson, all these great people. Got to sponsor Ed Bergenholtz, all these places, and then. Apex Japan happened to have the top drifting team with Imamura Yoichi. Oh. Yoichi. Hold on, Toshi. Let's let's go back a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, so when you started Apex here, was that f- like fresh from when um, Apex started in Japan? Like right when the brother had the falling out with the other brother from HKS? No, uh, it was. We were about. Maybe five years in, okay. five years in or six years in. So it was a really ambitious uh, operation at the time. And uh, a lot of the guys that pulled, they took the younger rookies from HKS, okay. uh, the up and coming ones, and pulled right. them into Apex. Now those guys run the Toyota GT team with the Prius and wow. the GT. Uh, team APR, actually their name stands for Apex Racing. So when we 
we we got taken over by North Korean uh, like government people, and it was like a crazy, <laughs> crazy fallout at the time. Yeah, and, and yeah, I don't care. It's like twenty years ago, right? But um, it was crazy, and so um, but at that time, um, it was like the the, the, the up and coming young kids. It was, so we were all rookies at the time. Yeah, that's cool. I think we've seen that a lot on this podcast where um, people. You know they're they're just passionate about what they do and they they start at the bottom, but because uh, they continue to follow their passion and um, you know just kind of obsess about what they're doing, they become yeah. uh, you know someone who's contributed so much to uh, what they love. So that's crazy yeah. that you know th just these low level guys are now a big part of um, you know a GT racing team. That's pretty cool. Yeah, none of us planned. Yeah. Any of this. Yeah. And, and I think people who did, did not succeed because it just, you can't control this. So right. like even Kenji Gretty, when I first met him, you know, he, he was in the warehouse and dude, he always was wrenching on the cars. And, yeah. and if you don't have that skill, you can't rise up the ranks or, or you just get fizzled out. So I, right. I think everybody that we see now, and I, I hate throwback Thursdays and I hate looking <laughs> back because it feels like you stopped. Yeah. But, but if you look at the people from my, like my generation like right really they, they already had like some kind of uh amazing talent yeah like, since back then so it's no surprise to me that they, they are where they are right so you know yeah it's just like you say yeah it's crazy yeah yeah um so when you started apex um front wheel drive cars were very popular hondos were very popular um i guess you can throw in some toyotas right there were some um like uh, I mean, MR2s were popular. Even the the mm -hmm. um, the older Supras were popular. Um, but in Japan, uh, I mean, what was that like to um, start a business where um, the cars that were popular here were not necessarily the cars that were popular in Japan? Yeah. So so that was my job. Um, so it was like anybody who knew what was going on could see that like. Hondas were blowing up everywhere. And like you said, there were no Hondas were just nothing in Japan. They were in the minivan trend at that time. Uh, S15s and, and S14s, they were, they were tapering down. There was a crackdown, uh, a lull, uh, and then minivans had started taking off in Japan. So my job was to go back and basically get the budget and convince them to uh, do the prototyping. Because the Supras, you know, the MRTs, it was very minor changes. They'd bolt right on, so they'd ship over a couple of exhausts. We'd get a test fitment car, throw it on. Electronics, um, same thing. A couple of different sense of wiring. Engineers would fly over for a weekend. We'd take it apart, send them back, redo the diagrams. I'd do the instruction manuals, um, and we'd do that. But the Hondas, we really had to start from scratch. So uh, we would try to take the prototypes, but they were really exact, and you'd have to compensate for flex uh, also, the rub, the hangers would start to deteriorate, so you want to make sure that at one point when they're looser, they won't hit. So, so we went through a couple of failures in the beginning, but slowly got it down. And no, I think once the sales came through, then then they started understanding and investing more. But yeah, it was an uphill fight for a long time. Um, cut cut your costs here, cut your costs right. here, and we'll send you some more. Yeah. So so a lot of the time, like the first time, like I had a shared executive's office with no warehouse, and so we would use our garages. So like the engineers would come to my house and we would do whatever we could there and then go back. So, you know, you just did what you could. Right. right? So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So tell me like, uh, so you guys were all friends working together, right? At Apex. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so did you? Well, end some up... some we met, some we hired, but yeah. yeah. So, did you end up being the bad boss? Like, what's up? Like, how I, was I that? I think <laughs> there. I do have regret. I I do oh. have regret. There were a couple of times. Of course, I think that the way that companies work is is vertically, and you have to have a hierarchy uh, to get things done. Mm-hmm. And I think. At one point, you you have to choose certain things, you know, either for the team or for whatever. And for whatever reason, uh, and just for the record, we've made up and, and it's all cool. But <laughs> I, I still to this day have regret. I have regret for for leaving and trying to pursue stage 10. And they gave me their blessing uh, to do Tokyo Drift and, and, and JDM Insider at the time. So, so I still to this day, the office is still around. I go and visit. You know, it's just like... Dude, you know, but but yeah, it's hard. You you don't want to mix your hobby and your friends with work. If I could do it all over again, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd want to do that. It only happens in like hobby industries, I think. You know, because you're always it's just much more intense. You know. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. So Toshi, I I remember. Um, I always remember that Apex FD. That thing was yeah. really cool. Um, that was your personal car. Yes. Yes. When, when did you get it? Uh, so I, I used to have a an Eagle Talon made to look like a JDM Mitsubishi Eclipse, and 4G, <laughs> Stage 7, yes, uh, everything for HKS, uh, Tech 2, fuel management. Yeah. But it was not a major, one of the major models, like, you know, the mainstream. So yeah. um, I got the FD, gosh, I want to say 98 or like okay. 97, 98, somewhere around there. Because yeah. I got my GTR in 99, when it was brand new so so it had to be right before okay. then and i built it took it was like a two-year build so two three-year build so so when you got your fd did it immediately become the apex demo car no because uh well because we had no money and, and <laughs> two like there, there were no parts for it so we were at the time we were still developing the power of c and yeah. so uh you know they, they were working on that we had some body kits for it um i wanted to go with Ari Yamamiya, but you know you had to represent your company mm-hmm. so we mixed and matched at the time um but no i i cruised it factory stock for a while um yeah for like actually for like a year it was red originally and so i had just had the amamiya headlights and just slammed it uh and then just enjoyed it for a while i remember seeing it at some import show-offs before yeah it it got really out of control and and (laughs) you know just the the, it, it was just a side port, but I had the uh, the Apex seals from Abel Barra and uh, all this custom stuff. That was a but, name you know, I haven't heard from, in a long time. You're from Irvine, and I used to live in apartments. And my car, when you do the cold start in the morning, it would shake the whole <laughs> building of five sets of apartments every day. And houses and people would be yelling at me. And it was like, it was just too much. It was like a rambunctious child. And yes. I, had to, I had to let him go. <laughs> Uh, it's just out of control. Because the louder is the faster, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Toshi sidebar. Have you talked to Ken Miyoshi lately? No. So I know that's an ongoing theme or okay. something. In, just, in, not just here, but in the industry. Okay. Yeah, I, I have not. Just checking. I would love to, though. Yeah, you should yeah. probably hit him up. Maybe just I'll, say. I, I'll give you his phone number. Yeah. <laughs> if you could. Uh, oh, as, I'll give you his phone number. You can talk to him. But um, can you like plead a little bit to try and get him on this podcast? Yeah, I'll just say, I, I took the plunge, dude. Just come after me. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we're all in it together, dude. Let's ruin their podcast all together. Oh, no. 
Yes. We'll probably come in and be Don't like, let them get to 12 episodes. Oh, no. Yeah. Stop them. Bring it down we'll, from we'll the We'll stop you guys by about episode 10. We'll put you out of business by oh, that. I like that. 10's good. Stage 10 will put up a website for that. Don't worry. And, and so we'll get that, going, that campaign going. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I like that. Okay. Sorry. But anyway, so, so we have a red FD and then all of a sudden. You got an R34. Yes. Yeah. How, how did you get an R34, first of all? New? <laughs> yeah, it was brand new. It had the, the plastic on the seats. Um, oh, so I, uh, I don't know if I should get into this, but um, so, so I had, oh gosh, I don't know if I, okay. So, <laughs> so there was a company called Motorex back in the day. And, uh, and I, I guess it's no big deal because I'm in JDM Insider videos with them. One of my friends back in the day was a guy named Hero and he was the president of Motorex. And so Motorex was just starting off. I saw them at one of the car shows. I didn't know him from before, but being Japanese, you know, it's just conversation gets faster, mm-hmm. right? And so you're like, hey, what's up? You know, whatever. I run Apex. Oh, I run Motorex. Dude, I love GTRs. Okay, hey, you want to drive one? Sure. <laughs> um, but he only had 32s back then. So, you know, 32s. And then so we started taking the 32s into Apex for development uh, in the U.S. And so he would let us borrow them for, for shows. Um, then my staff started buying them, 32, 33s. Um, so we got... Uh, dibs on those and and with sean morris and everybody else ken takashi all these guys that were there we would go hang out go you know have drinks you know go eat dinner and we were that was our second location in torrance our hub so to speak um then uh they brought uh the initial blue one uh blue r34 for testing and i had already decided i wanted a 32 because i've always wanted a 32 Mm -hmm. but i drove that one and it felt so crisp and tight and the the way that the boost turned on and back then they had the, the multimeter i was like whoa and i i was a sucker for electronics yeah. and gadgets yeah. and so i was just like oh i have to i have to get this like no matter what and uh so instantly the next day i was like ah okay my fd is going in as a down payment i'm gonna sell everything i have wow. just, i have to get it um so we worked out uh you know half marketing half you know well obviously i had to buy it um, deal and you know i mean a couple months they found a, a white v-spec that was sitting unbought in a a, uh, a car dealership in nagoya i think and uh and yeah it ended up uh coming into torrents um i think it was the third one third or fourth one that came in uh for regulations and you know everybody that's familiar with motorx that the whole fiasco and stuff but uh my car was eventually grandfathered in as one of the original 14 oh, nice. uh federalized and so so then I I had been driving on it though with shady plates for the first five years, dealer plates, and then I transferred. You know, so it was it wasn't fun. And and with the whole Kaizo stuff, I had to oh, you know, yeah. just lay low for like literally my car sat in a garage though for like thirteen years once, just straight, and it just didn't move, you know. It's just so But, you, know, but it, you were grandfathered in. You you were okay to drive that car. Yeah, but but the local PD doesn't know that. Oh, and so I see. you just get harassed all the time. And so now it's not bad. You know, there's 32s and all that, you yeah. know, in the last five years. Still but, no 34s. You know. Yeah. Well, I, you know, and I had the car for 20 years. Yeah. I, I can visually remember every little aspect about this is cheap plastic or this uh. is great or it feels sluggish here. You know, I went through three engines, you know, like five suspension. You That's know, just wild. Doing the Apex development, yeah. blowing it up, not, do, you know, and so... Never crashed it, but just, you know, really thoroughly used and went through that car. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I actually recently let go of it to some friends, um, but 
Because uh, I, as a car guy, I want to move on. Like, seriously, I don't mm-hmm. want to be labeled only with that. But, um, but yeah, I feel like she's like still all all thirty four. Like, you know, I can, you know, it's just when you're such for twenty years, yeah. Right? yeah. So, so yeah, for me, like, I'm I'm over it. But, but yeah, that that was uh, it was a great car. There are not many legal R thirty four, um, cars that that were part of that uh, grandfathered process where you can actually drive no. it around. Um, wait, wait, but so like, hold on. You blew up your R34, like your motor. You're just you. Yeah. Blew your motor. Well, one on of a them. Brand new one. One of them. Yeah. <laughs> what were you doing? Testing. Testing. <laughs> like on the freeway. What, no, what, what, on the one. Dino? One was on the 405 freeway, and you know we we were we were in Torrance. I don't know if we were in motor actually. We were just on our way back home. And, you know, the 405 freeway stretch right after the 605, it just sort of opens up near the Seal Beach area. Yeah. In the five lane. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you just let loose. <laughs> Third freeway, fourth gear, right? And you have the windows open and you're feeling the breeze and the RV26 <laughs> and the inline six. That feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm getting goosebumps about it. And all of a sudden, crank, 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 crank. And then all the meters go. <laughs> And oh my I look in the back and it's nighttime, obviously. It's like two in the morning, but I look like the Blue Angels with <laughs> smoke coming out the back. Crazy oh my smoke, right? Gosh. Um, yeah, and then so that was the first time. And so basically a rod blew out, shot out the bottom of the, the block. We were boosting like 1.5. Oh I, my I don't know what goodness. I was thinking, You're but, a naughty boy. Um, That's why. Um, and then the other one was we were, I think we didn't machine the deck completely properly. And so I was on driving down Culver in Irvine, of all places, in the middle of the day. <laughs> Good old Irvine. And, and, and just the gasket, that part, it just sort of gave out. And once again, poof, plume of white smoke. Nice. But it was so long that the people following me, they're like, dude, you left a thing of smoke from the end of the intersection all the way across, all the way to the supermarket. Great. When you drive an R34... You never want to stop. Thank God there was no Instagram back then. Because it'd yeah. be like, R34 fail, hashtag, alone, Toshi and Irvine, right. hashtag, spotted, right? So thank God. Yeah. So I know there are people there, but yeah, there's no record of it. So um, yeah. And so the lesson was, yeah, do it right when you're building an engine. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Okay, you're the first person I know just, that blew up. GTR engines. How dare you? No. Oh my gosh. No, they people just hide it. It happens all the time. Oh god. <laughs> my heart. Oh. Now let's take some time out to thank this episode's sponsor. Final Bout organizes a series of drifting events for grassroots level drivers all across the USA and even Japan, which leads me to credit them as the first to bring a U.S. grassroots drifting competition to Japan. They highlight early 2000s style drifting, tandem driving, and car styling, which Benson and I just adore. Final Bout was founded in 2015 by Simba, Phil Lee, Ilias Molov, and 3L. What can I say about Final Bout? I mean, we mention it in like every single episode. So thankful for what they've done to really bring back the golden years of drifting for us, uh, like the early 2000s style. They really spearheaded the movement of just bringing car style back into drifting. And I really credit them for this whole grassroots movement we're experiencing right now. 
Yeah. And I just love the cars that come out to Final Bout's events. We started going to Final Bout back in, was it 2015? Yeah, 2015, the the very first one. And I got to judge with Chicago OG Rob Ryder and alongside Toshiki Yoshioka, which that's amazing. Yeah, you're so lucky. They asked me to come too sometimes, but... You got to do the yeah, fun you, stuff. You're on the you're on the you're on the judges booth with us, uh, entertaining the crowd. Yeah, it was super fun. But I would say that's like my first exposure to a really cool drifting competition that I actually loved because I've been just so accustomed to watching the pro level stuff, and I kind of just fell out of love with that. And I love what Final Bout does. We are so lucky to have them as a sponsor on this episode. And I want to tell you that Final Belt's last event of this year will be on their home turf at U.S. Air Speedway in Shawano, Wisconsin, September 4th and 5th, 2021. You can purchase your tickets online at final-bout.com and don't miss this opportunity to see the magic in person. So our giveaway will be Final Belt merch and they have the coolest shirts and they get them custom done for like every event that they do in their series and Benson Clicks all the shirts, and then he doesn't share them with me, but I steal them anyway. I want to plug their shirts a little bit. I want to give them some credit because there are too many companies out there doing car-related merch that just has a logo on it. Final Bout does it a really good job at making sure these shirts look really good. They have really great colors. The designs are awesome, and anyone would wear them. If you're into fashion, if you want like a really good-looking shirt, and you don't know about cars, people will totally rock a Final Bout shirt. That's my favorite thing about all the merch. Yeah, you can buy a shirt like that from like Gucci or something. It looks good. I like it. But anyway, shout out to Final Bout. Thank you so much for supporting this episode of the Salady Mania podcast. Visit Final Bout's website at final-bout.com and check out their IG at Final Bout. And now let's get back to the grilling. So let's uh, let's talk about uh, your experience with JDM Insider. Uh, did you mm-hmm. did you and Hero start that on your own? Yeah. So we were we were drinking again, and we're like, "Hey, let's make a video." Ah, what kind? What we do every day? <laughs> all right. <laughs> what like go street racing and hang out with all the drifters? And yeah. Why is this for profit or something? He's like, "Yeah." Is this like, while you guys make- were in Japan? No, this is the way we were in, in, in California. Okay. So, uh, so we, bef- were, we were over here. Before you started JDM Insider, had, have you, you and Hiro had already been in Japan and have experienced all the street racing and stuff? No. So my street racing and my uh, experience was purely through individual trips to Tokyo Auto Salon uh, and through Apex. Okay. Apex, hanging out with engineers and going back for training and, and work. Um, the off time was magical. And so we would go to these guys' houses and like 10 guys in the small one room watching videos or, or we, hey, come with us one night. You know, we'd sneak out and, and we'd go check out the street races. So, so I, had, I had already known and I already, and by the time JDM Insider came out, I had already started working as a professional with a lot of some of the, the Japanese drivers. Like my first hero moment was with Tarzan Yamada mm-hmm. when he came in the, uh, the R33. And I never met a superstar from option that was so humble and and that was like mind-blowing for me so that's mind-blowing to so me by then, yeah. because tarzan is so larger than life when the camera's on 
and you know he's, he's like beating quiet, people. The nicest guy. Really? That is so <laughs> funny. It's it's a split personality, that, but like usually, yeah, he's very shy. Like in general, the, that was our experience yeah. with Nomuken. Yeah. Because uh, when he, yeah. the cameras were around, he was Nomuken. You know, like messing around, and mm-hmm. then cameras shut off. And he just stopped. I hear that from Manapi of Option Video as well. He's like that too. Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 very humble, very you know, and then that's why you know they they last as long and, and they have a great fan base because yeah. you never hear bad things about them because they're not bad people. Right. They're just like <laughs> they're just shy. I don't know. That's funny, but yeah. So you were... yeah. So I I didn't I already knew about the street races. Yeah. Oh. So you were still working at Apex, like you haven't left yet, or is this because I know that yeah. So yeah. so JD Insider because Hero started it, it was he had. Initially, uh, initially wanted to start it. He was doing like Sea West and a couple other brands at his place at Motor X. Mm-hmm. So he got the people together on that side. I already knew Mr. Omoto from from Sea uh, West already. Um, so he was just like, "Hey, if you're gonna do it with him, that's cool. You know, I'll help sponsor." And that's where DRFT. So if you look at each JDM Insider series, yeah. like for the real hardcore guys, like the first one was like sort of a test, just you know whatever. Yeah. The second one we got serious. We we, we hung out with Ueno and everybody, and then. The third one was sort of the, the peak of the original crew. And then four and five, like four and five were after Motor X stuff started going, you know, haywire. Um, and we had decided we need to continue one more time. So that's when I put, I funded everything. It was like 50, 60 grand and totally lost all money. You know, we never made money off of JDM. Wow. And so um, because, well, I didn't because initially the first three had production teams production groups and so we had also partnered with uh, phil and robbie from 360 video who i'm still great friends with till today um and and so what i got out of it was the wake-up call of the importance of you know real videos and 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 and, and you know the, the camaraderie of, of of really street racing and we really got to document like some cool stuff yeah. right I, for a while, like we were getting beat down, like you guys are proliferating the bad image, and like my parents would get heat. Like he, my dad would brag to my uncle, "Hey, my son's doing this," and my Japanese uncles were like, "But that's illegal." Oh, right. they just shut down everything. Yeah, you know, it's like worse than skateboarding back in the day, right? So, yeah. so that hurt, you know. Uh, but but now, you know, looking back, I I I wouldn't have it any way. And I look back, and it was just so natural. So so that's you know that's just I guess how how it was. So. So yeah, I have no no regrets about that. It was it was a fun ride. Yeah, I, n- I noticed that in volume one of JDM Insider, uh, you guys kind of um, explored a bunch of different things. Like you guys were partying, you guys were at Tokyo Auto Salon, um, you did some like street racing. Um, mm-hmm. But then I noticed after jo- volume one, there was it was very heavily uh, street racing, at, but a lot of drifting. Um, mm-hmm. Was that was that something you guys uh, realized that that was what your viewers wanted to see or what you guys were interested in? Uh, how did how did it kind of change course that way? So I, I don't think, to be honest, like I don't think we were thinking too much about what the viewers wanted to see mm-hmm. because at that time, there were no viewers. So they were like, Grip Video had some, you know, everything was sport compact. Everything yeah. was car shows. And so, um, you know, we weren't like, you know, the, the drifting had not taken pro, uh, pro level so there was none of that so we were just like we did the first one because w- when we sat down we didn't know how to do videos we had no professional experience the 360 guys they had a little bit more from their skating videos 
So they were just gave us the structure. It's like, hey, bro, you need, you need to have some sort of flow. All right, we'll go to Tokyo Auto Salon. That's when all the tuners come out, save some money because the, the production cost for JDM Insider, the most expensive thing was travel. And so you take 10, you know, six to 10 guys out there drinking, we're partying, airplane tickets, hotels, mm-hmm. car, and, and has nothing to do with the, the video production, but already you've got like a 20 grand bill, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and sponsors back in the day, hey, we'll give you t-shirts. Yeah. You know, we'll give you whatever. Yeah. It's like, bro, I don't need, I need a plane ticket, right? <laughs> Cash like, money. Um, and, and YouTube wasn't around. So, so, and it was DVD. So, so, so we did what we could. Uh, all the stuff in JDM Insider One was based around, if we were in the Tokyo area around uh, Autosan, okay, let's go to MegaWeb. Let's do this. Let's, who's around that weekend? Who's free? Oh, could you ha- meet up with us? And then the Sea West guys are like, okay, afterwards, come down to Osaka. Yeah. We'll do what we can as the inaugural event. And then Uchi came out. The second one, we're like, okay, so we got the first one out. Um, the 360 guys had a, a I think it was, a, I, I forgot, the Filipino production company. They, they, they stepped up a little bit more funding. They sent their own guys and a producer. Um, we were just hosts. I had not taken over JDM Insider until like five. But oh. I was like sort of helping with the creative, like completely under my responsibility um uh but you know so we would sit down and hero and i would write where we want to go whatever and and like and basically at the bottom of, at the end of the day it was like who do you know i'm like i know Ueno. so i call him up and say hey if we go out there can we hang out with you he's like yeah what do you want to do and so i would talk with him we can go here 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 that's great that's great okay and then we just went and we played it by ear and you know every night we're like is there enough good stuff do we get it yeah and you know it was totally like amateur yeah like like normal video production people would like probably freak out <laughs> yeah as as did the executive producers that they sent in uh-huh. but yeah it you know so so the, the the hardest part was paying making sure that the editors like phil and robbie got paid to to make it right because their creative influence which really affected me um really made it what it was so they got a half skate music video yeah whatever so so that's a yeah, so it was really by by ear. So all the way till the end, actually, like it was always who who can we call next time? Um, what can we do? And that's all it was. That portion of the video with Ueno was gold. Um, <laughs> I think. Well, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if you knew Uchi before uh, Ueno, but I mean, Uchi was like kind of like a recurring guy on your videos, and you 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 mm-hmm. were doing a lot with him afterwards, but. Um, like to see Ueno street drifting, I think that's huge because you don't see. Uh, I mean, there's been there have been times um, where D1 drivers have been in trouble for street drifting, mm-hmm. and they've mm-hmm. you know they have been they've had their licenses suspended, and mm-hmm. um, you know I mean, that's a big deal for like a professional drifter where that's all they want to do, um, and then they can't do it. Um, mm-hmm. So. It, maybe it wasn't like that at the time, but you don't see that anymore. And no. I think that was a really cool thing to see. Ueno was really interesting for me to, to choose because he was in a unique position at the time. So we had our Apex D1 team with Yoichi um, and HKS had Taniguchi and, and, you know, everybody's just battling it out all the time, right? Mm. T&E was the only company that sponsored both HKS and Apex. And he had the Vertex kits on both. And I had already known Arito from before. Um, and that's why he was in the JDM Insider too. Um, but 
so so Taniguchi, Arido, and Ueno yeah. live in a, in Suzuki, Japan, which is right by Yokohama. So like they're like homie neighbors, and so they have this little club, Suzuki, whatever, whatever. But so so that's why um, right. that relationship solidified. There was no other precedent to where one aero manufacturer has sponsored HKS and Apex at the same time, especially at their peak. And that's why I knew Ueno. And during the first D1 Grand Prix, mm-hmm. we housed Kuma Kubo, everybody's car, including some of the HKS cars at our office uh, until we could get out to the, to the field and, and to do some of the driver searches, whatever. And so, you know, you have Nomuken Blitz cars and all this. And like, as a, as a fanboy, yes. me, I'm just like, every day I'd stay at the office until midnight, just walk out quietly into the cars looking at. But, you know, going back, you know, the TNE cars, were the only two and so i i had a really close relationship with ueno and then at that time we're like we go back and i i think it's just a trust issue but you know we would be coming back from the airport and say hey watch this (laughs) (laughs) Um, for the record there were areas in yokohama where they live where it's just i'm not condoning it but it's just dead yeah so so those are sort of the places we went but um yeah not yeah you won't see them doing it now yeah it's uh, older and wiser right yeah no definitely um, that's yeah, interesting. So many magical moments. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned um, that Apex housed a lot of those D1 cars for, for when mm-hmm. they first came over, because I remember that. And, and I, I didn't, I thought that was really cool to have all of these different uh, works cars from different teams all in the Apex, um, Apex warehouse. And then um, there was, there was a practice event that there, there was no drifting at on the um, inner bank of Irwindale yet. Mm-hmm. But all the cars came. You guys didn't know what Keiichi was planning, what the course was going to be like. And mm-hmm. so I remember there was a private Apex testing day at Irwindale mm-hmm. on the infield. And I was luck- lucky enough to be one of the drivers invited to go and test with mm-hmm. you guys. And that was kind of um, a real moment for me. Um, just, you know, uh, you know, we, we've seen some D1 cars come over, some drivers come over. But it was kind of, um, you know, it was kind of at a distance. But we were all there testing at the same track next to these mm-hmm. guys. Wasn't it great? It, it was, was so much It was fun. magical. Yeah. It's like seeing, yeah. I mean, Ueno's, everything about Ueno is so um, just like, it's top notch. Like his, the way his car looks, the the vinyl. His helmet. Um, his helmet. <laughs> I sat, I, no joke, I stood there and I stared at his helmet for like five minutes, just how beautiful yeah. it is. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then, and then to see him and Imamura uh, test that, like drift on the outer bank for the first time. Like mm. y- w- the people that were there that day were the first persons to ever see drifting on the outer bank. And that mm. to me is yep. like something I hold really dear to me because... I mean, there was a That's handful cool. You of remember us. that? Of course, yeah. I remember it. It was. <laughs> no, I. I think we we overemphasize the word magical and and you know with all the toxicity toxicity on the net right now mm-hmm. with you know fanboy. Like I'm proud to say I was a fanboy because you're looking at people that are doing something that you love mm-hmm. at a higher level. Yes. Of course, you're going to be a fanboy. Yeah. You're looking. You're not idolizing them. You're idolizing what they do, what they represent, right? And so, all kinds of things happened i think that those kind of magical moments can't be under like they need to be emphasized more i think yeah because there's not there's far and few between now these days just overloaded with just i don't know with what right yeah. everything <laughs> yeah right yeah um it was funny uh, when i watched uh jdm insider volume one you know when it was new i didn't 
it wasn't uh, something that I noticed, but it was something because I watched it again before our interview, and it was crazy <laughs> to see all the people that you were with. You were there with uh, Steph Papadakis, Jim Law, um, Gary Castillo, mm-hmm. um, just all these people who have continued uh, pursuing what they love and becoming um, people who have contributed so much to this car culture that we love. Um, and just to see you guys young and ambitious back then and how you guys weren't really anyone then, um, it's, it's just cool to see like how far everyone has come. I, I think, you know, I, I know I could speak for Jim and everybody else too. It's like after a while, you're, you're not doing it to, to be famous or to do it. I'm going to build formula. It's like at that time, right. you're like, you know, and, and I knew Jim and everybody's from college. And so it's just, you know, you, and just like you guys, you know, it's like you, something has to motivate you more than just, you know, uh, a certain goal or a certain position in the industry. Right. So, yeah, I think that's the main thing. And, and, and a lot of people have failed, you know, I mean, we're only talking about five mm-hmm. people, but there's 50 hundreds yeah. that we know of that just faded out. And so is that bad? No, you just do something else. You know I mean? Even this industry, I can't even believe we, it's an industry in the beginning, you know, it's like, nobody says you want to make a living and with cars. No, dude, just, you do it for fun. Yeah. And so, you know, so people used to say, yeah. Yeah. So it's a very pivotal, that's a, it's an interesting ride that, that we were on that we're still on, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think, but that's why I, I transit, I like, I like tuning cars and I like cars and I like the movement of cars, but I like drag racing. Then it moved to drifting. Um, I also see the promise in, in time attack cars, but for me, it's more of the JDM cars where they go. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm, I'm so intertwined with just the JDM tuning you know, world, I guess, you yeah. know, the people. Uh, and now I'm getting my 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 happiness through uh, being able to peek into the manufacturer level. Yes. So I was always on the field and the outside. Yeah. And, and especially running Apex for so long, we had to work so hard with no budget to try to get demo cars and whatever. And now I get to peek into what, you know, these Nürburgring cars are doing. So for me, that's, I'm just, that's my career itch that I'm scratching right now. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it, but, you know, by no means is my, my love for, for tuning cars, you know, I'm always mentally lowering and body, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But you have to have that, I think, or else you just, when I was doing fashion for five years for my grandpa's company, mm-hmm. ladies denim, mm-hmm. I hated it. Yeah. And I could see how I was the the guy that had no fashion sense. Right. I could see they were looking at me like right. I was that cheap Chinese knockoff company. Like <laughs> I'm all standing like I know what's going right. on. And like, and I, it felt really weird, but, but yeah. So cars is hard for work. If you're not a manufacturer or yes. a driver or whatever, or a shop owner, like you can't make money in cars. So you got to do something else. So I think that's, that's the hard part. I mean, compared to other industries. So you really have to know and, and like it. And then from there you, hook up with people and and then opportunities sort of open up for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean that's what happened with me. So I mean it's weird. Yeah. I, I worked in the aftermarket car parts industry for a while and it was it's it's pretty toxic. Um it, it's difficult to find stability in it if you're not at the top like you said. But uh if you can find um if you can if you can find uh your own like what makes your ideas different or unique and you pursue them like i mean you're the perfect example i mean sky's the limit you can do so no, much no. cool stuff i was just lucky at the right place it, right it definitely yeah. always I, I yeah it always involves luck but you you have to have the passion right yeah i agree and so yeah i mean 
yeah, it's, it's, it's just weird how things play out. And I think it happens in the skateboard industry, probably in like the racing drone industry right now. And, and just these niche markets. I, I, I always love looking at like these up and coming, like racing drone industries or whatever. And you're like, Oh, those are the Bensons. And there's the Nadine. She's the first, first VR drone hilarious. pilot yeah. ever. Yeah. No, you guys, like you guys have left your mark. I mean, I really remember you guys coming up and I was like, Oh, and they got married. I was like, what? You know, like it was, it was cool stuff. Yeah. yeah no. So, I mean, I, I totally think that's great. Yeah. yeah thank you. Aww. Thank you. So Toshi, did you have any, uh, you said you got pretty close with Ueno. What, what's he like? Do you have any cool stories, personal stories with Ueno? Well, I have tons of stories like with Ueno. Um, you, you have the typical drifter, and I, I know you guys know. Um, they're, they're viewed at differently mm -hmm. in Japan. Um, people who run JDM cars and tune JDM cars are like Japanese rednecks. So okay. they're domestic cars in Japan. So you got to think of a, a 180 or a 240 or an S13, S14 as a Mustang. That's wild. So so the average Japanese person in Japan are like, oh, these orange-haired country boys uh, yeah. with their loud cars, um, street racing, causing trouble. <laughs> so they're like one step up from Bosozoku. Nice. And Bosozoku is glorified overseas, but Not in Japan, there. it's like the menace to society, yeah. like totally just drop out kids. So, yeah. so they're, they're called Yankees, right? Yeah. And so... Drifters get a bad rap. We did JDM Insider to sort of break that up and to show like there's families and girls and like cool people. But everybody overseas loved it. But people in Japan still look at it. And you see a, a you know, a JZX 100 cruising down the street, 500 horsepower, super clean. And like, oh, Toshi-san, you know, you, you work with us? Yes. They're like, oh, you're one of them. Oh. You know? So um, it, it's still got a bad image. Right. Um, but, but Ueno was the opposite. So the Arido and all those guys, they had Taniguchi, they had really worked from the bottom up through the Ikatens mm -hmm. and they wanted to be professional race car drivers. They that's the only way to legitimize that the path you've taken. Because you're not a corporate guy, a salary man now. Right. You're not a business owner. So you're just a driver. So you have to go that path. You want to get sponsored by Toyota. You want to get into these series. Right. Um, and motorsports is a big deal over here. So um so Yokohama guys are a little bit flashy and they already had their four door gate mm -hmm. going on their identity. So, so, so he struck me very different from, let's say the wild and crazy, you know, doing handstand guys or like the team orange guys, right. just performance. Um, so, so that was one thing that struck me, you know, he was more into brands, you know, like yeah. cheese and like, um, you can flashy, see it you know, in jewelry. everything he's got. Yeah. The way yeah. his car so looks. He, he, he was, he'd be the first, especially he's not as bad these days, but back then it's like, you know, you go on, you got to look good first. You got to look good. So you got to get the good wheels first, you know, and other guys are like, no, just put whatever on. So, so they, he definitely, they, they definitely had a style, which I liked. Um, he, he worked hard. Uh, T and E uh, is named after him and his, and his mother, it's going, I met her, but she passed away at the time. So he took it on with his brother. And so to this day, they're doing vertex and all that together, family business. So, yeah. So he's super down to earth. You know, we, we actually made two, uh, JDM Insiders that never got released, uh, Barbecue Drift and, and number six. Um, but but both those times we we sort of ran out of money and ran out of options. So we just went to his country house in the mountains and we had a barbecue. And then we we trailered up two of his cars in the mountains uh -huh. and just started drifting up and down the hill. Wow. And nicknamed it Barbecue. But I, I have to ask Phil where the footage went. We, we It never came to fruition. Oh, man. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, yeah. And then his wife, uh, Arisa, she's, she was a pro drift, uh, one of the earliest drift uh, females oh, okay. uh, in, the, in Japan. Um, and so she's a team, I don't know if she's a manager, but she's at Daigo's place. Okay. Saito, Daigo Saito. Yeah. So she runs their booth. 
um, so so it's a real drifting like they're still like for life you know yeah and so it's it's cool and like totally down to earth yeah but super cool guy uh, I have a memory with um, with Ueno, and it was actually a, a mem- it, it happened twice, and I didn't I didn't understood I didn't understand why, because I don't speak Japanese. But there were a couple of events where um, uh, one of them was that testing day at Irwindale, and another one was at Vegas, and Ueno was at mm-hmm. both of them, and at both places I caught him just like looking at my car <laughs> and s- staring at it for a while, and. I didn't know why. Um, I, yeah, I, why? It, I, like my imagination would just wander, and I thought, like, you know, he's just designing body kits in his brain or something. I don't know, but um, like that was I. I don't know. Do you have any insight? Did you ever see him just like stand there and look at a look at a car? Yeah. Well, what at one time we would go to uh, to the molding the the factory where they were they're working on the molds and so you know he's like hey do you mind if i drop by somewhere on the way back on the way to dinner uh-huh. yeah, all right let's go so you, you go to the shady garage and in the back you see <laughs> you know a s13 or this is our my new series you know the vertex ridge kit it's yeah. gonna be a wide body oh you know? yeah and you know he he to this day if you look you know he, he gets down and dirty he's a wrencher okay. by heart okay so you know he, he you know you'll feel it and back then um you know like like let's say you look at Kamira, you know, rock about you. Mm-hmm. Pe- different people are using different techniques now. Um, you know, some people are using modified like CNC style, you know, the machine sort of carves yes. it out, CG, you know, whatever. But he was like back then, it was just like the craftsman and yeah. whatever. So he would sit there and feel it. Takes five times longer, but yeah. So so he's definitely into that. Um, also, uh recent, well, relatively recently when he was designing the kit on his RC, his Lexus. So you know, he would start with the uh, illustration sketches from his designer, take that out at event there. No, I don't like this and yeah. that. Go into the mold and, 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 and I'm sure, yeah, from there. So he's, yeah, he is always thinking about, it. it's just, I think body kits after a while, it just, it's difficult because mm-hmm. you just get copied Yeah, and you can only invest so much time right. in certain models. Um, so I, I think that was an unfortunate drain you know you spend half of your time looking for counterfeit stuff mm-hmm. and the reality that's the reality so yeah. you can't be creative for for too long you know? right so, that makes it yeah but he's definitely he loved yeah he's, he's definitely a renter and he's definitely into it and he's got that the artistic oh i yeah. could see it um because all of his all of his arrow no matter what kind of car it is you see the you see the the vertex um signature lines um you know, mm-hmm. nothing's too harsh. There are no, are no crazy lines. It's it's soft. It kind of follows the original body lines a little bit, but but it, you look at it and you can tell it's vertex. So, I mean, I'm yeah. really into like the artistic lines and and stuff with arrow and and I could totally see it. And, and it stands it's, the test of time. Yeah, yeah. Looks so classy. Yeah. Well, your car was clean at that time too. Yeah. So, yeah. So maybe he was just looking because they weren't. They were like a lot of gaudy cars. I can't believe. Like I shouldn't be saying this, but I can't believe people are idolizing the Fast and Furious One car. I mean, that's <laughs> like seriously. Like back then, we were like, "You're using these stickers, you know?" I don't, you're joking, right? Because Keith, one of our employees, Keith Emoto, yeah, at Apex, his car was Dom's RX-7. Yeah, it used to be a very famous uh, gun metallic, almost a goldish uh, silver metallic FD yeah. with a Veilside kit, yeah. and he had it as number one. Like, I don't know why he's not more well known for that for that but you know the, the super is more one but we 
bagged on him all day. Yeah. You did that to your car? Yeah. Dude, bro, what are you thinking, yeah. right? And, you know, so I don't know who's laughing now. Right. I mean, well, so you never know. But your car was clean. Thank it was you. the JDM look. Thank yeah, you. It was very, I, I liked it a lot. Actually, both of your cars were really good. I'm not just saying that. But. I appreciate it. Um, it's funny yeah. you mentioned uh, the, the gaudiness because I also noticed in the episode where you saw like some US style sport compact cars in Japan <laughs> and you yeah. were freaking out because you thought, I mean, obviously you were there in Japan giving us the JDM insider uh, perspective mm -hmm. on everything. And then here you see like the, the car, the kind of cars that maybe you didn't particularly like, not the JDM style. <laughs> um, but yeah. we kind of see that a lot now where, um, you know, America, Americans or maybe people just outside of Japan, they're inspired by Japan and they kind of take it and they put their own spin on it. Or maybe they they exaggerate or, you know, it, they 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 incorporate the Japanese inspiration, but it does. It's not exactly Japanese. It's different. It's noticeably different. And, and, and then Japan yeah. notices that. And then mm -hmm. they take that and they kind of do the same thing. They they take that and they they put a Japanese spin on it. Um, yeah, it's a it's the people. It's 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 the cluster of people that happen to pick it up. Yeah, and and behind the sport compact group in Japan at that time, if you looked at their booth and 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 the people that were hanging around the car, they were different from what Ueno's yeah. and the drifters would be like. They look different. They dress oh. different. These guys would be more like LA gangsters. Like they, <laughs> they were probably into lowriders before. Yeah. Like it's just different. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's weird. And now with the internet, just like you said, it's like a reverse import this and that. <laughs> yeah. I can't, can't, keep I track. can't even believe the name JDM stuck yeah. back then. <laughs> yeah. Like JDM, pff, what is JDM? Japan domestic market. Yeah. Like, that's so stupid. Right? <laughs> so, we were like trying to convince also the old dudes from like Summit Racing. It was total red, you know. Yeah. Like, but, and so now, you know, I, I mean, even the name JDM Insider for us, like we were in the car, like, what should we name it? It's got to be something crazy, this and that, you know, and, you know, already Grip Video was selling and then, you know, it's cool stuff. We're like, how about JDM Insider? Yeah. Like, you know, behind the JDM. Yeah, yeah. It's so stupid. It might work. Yeah. Right? Okay, let's do it. Yeah. That's exactly what but, you guys did, though. It's... Yeah. No, I know. So I, it's funny, but yeah, it's just yeah, all the like, it, it nobody would ever guess, right? So yeah, same with the the trends, how how it's mixing. But I, I think some cool stuff has gotten out of. But it's a different game now. With you know, if I was building a car today, uh, my next car or whatever I decide to build, it's like you got to do it different now. And people are just doing their whole builds on YouTube. Mm. And, and even if I started Apex today we'd have to do it differently to survive yeah. uh, than back in the day. Um, so, you know, it is, you just got to be ahead of the pack somehow, right? Yeah. Back then for us, it was language, traveling back, yeah. getting the people here. And, and yeah, so. Yeah. I want to talk to you about another JDM Insider episode. Mm. Um, you know, I was watching your episode with the girl drifting. And yeah. it was so cute. And whoever was editing it picked the cutest music <laughs> for the girls. Yeah. And and I loved yeah. it. And it was so sweet. And and I've always kind of wondered, and I've I've heard rumors like about girl drifters in Japan. And like, is it is it as hot in Japan to see a girl drifting as it is in America to see a girl drifting? Like, like how how are girl drifters perceived. seen and yeah, perceived in Japan versus the USA? Okay. So, so Japan uh, consumer uh, economy is driven by female makeup, fashion, 
the guys work the, the the guys work all day yeah. so they just drink and they, they get beat up and they come home but the girls are out <laughs> spending the money doing the stuff so tv everything is geared towards females okay mm. so so you already have this stereotype of what a female should be beautiful this and that work whatever uh and then you go into the drifting if you're asking like a hardcore drifting guy if he thought a hardcore drifting girl was cute i'm sure he'd say yeah dude she's awesome right but if you're talking on the mainstream they it, it's like probably not like a, they don't celebrate it as openly as they should like america would. yeah so they're like, like it's not like an, yeah like a, it's not like an athlete because they can't see they can't see the joy the benefit that the effort that's going in but let's say drifting was in the olympics just like skateboarding recently mm. yeah. how long did it take for skateboard then all of a sudden you're a pioneer right and you're like you're sacrificing your family and your kids yep. for your passion yep. and supporting your husband and and getting your hands dirty what a you know right. it's like yeah. but japanese are like a school of fish and so it's like they just move around like this so when you hit it big with one idea or whatever then everybody will come support you but until then you really gotta like swim on your own and just take the heat. Yeah. Um. And, and there's con- tons of stuff like that. But yeah. Um. I I think that if you look at Shia's videos once in a while, or or or, and I actually take some of that back. If you're like, cause there are some female uh, rally drifters mm-hmm. uh, that are sponsored by GR, um, and you know some you know Cusco and, and stuff. Those girls, I think, you know, garner uh good respect and you know. I see. So so I think. So I think if you're in a respectable motorsport, right, then you'll get it. Or, but if yeah. you're in drifting, which hasn't been D1, if they didn't self-implode with their own mm. whatevers, they would have been in a much stronger position. Mm. And I'll say it for the record. I mean, it, it is what it is. They split up the communities and, yeah. and it and sort of set it set the whole thing back a little bit. Formula D is doing their best to keep things global and to keep it tied in, but you know, the reality is that kind of nonsense puts the individuals back. Mm-hmm. Um, it sets them back in their careers. Yeah. And so the, the bottom line is you cannot make a career out of it means you're just playing, means right. you're not responsible, right. means, you know. So yeah. I, I think those kind of unfortunate things get linked in. Yeah, but, yeah. got it. But there are some some hot, good, good female drifters. That, <laughs> like they're ripping hot, it. good. Yes, yeah. for sure. I, I enjoyed yes. that. Yeah, no one cares if you're just hot. You gotta be hot and good. Hot and good. <laughs> yeah, no, but because the hotness, hotness comes from the good. good. Yeah. Yes, I agree with you that. Be good. But yeah, nobody thanks. wants to see just a pretty face and like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But thank you for that episode. That was a great episode. Oh yeah, love that. I actually, I, love I think that, that inspired us early on because you know uh, our efforts with drifting pretty and just, um, you know, promoting uh, women empowerment through motorsports and to see you guys highlight girl drifting so early on i think that was very motivational for us and yeah. other members so because of you i got a call from fast and the furious tokyo drift uh yes and and you guys really? wanted did you know do you remember that do you remember that? Maybe not. Well, you may not have to light me. You're pretty. I'm starting to sweat Ooh, right now. <laughs> he's sweating. Man, I'm I'm like in charge of all the heavy hitting questions. So that you you actually referred me to I don't know some casting agent guy, and he called me and he's like, "Hey, Toshi referred me to you. We need your hands and feet." <laughs> Ah. to to do the toge scene, like or to, actually they didn't hmm. tell me anything. They just oh. needed me to double. And so they called me and they said, you referred me. 
So. So you did it. You did it. I did it. Yeah. Oh, that's so, cool. So I, I did came the rest in. of them. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I read that you did some of them and, and I was doing it for Neela. And, um, yeah. and it was really cool and really cool experience. So, and I guess people listening don't know your involvement with Fast and the Furious 3 and 4. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of us love Tokyo Drift. And some of us are like, oh, man, it's gone mainstream. But, you know, like I would say yeah. the majority of our listeners love it. And and I think we have you to thank for a lot of that. And and I, I want to talk about your involvement in Tokyo Drift first mm. and, and just what did you do and how did that come about? Because I, I think a lot of people don't know. Yeah. So I was the technical consultant for the movie. And what that meant was um, I would work with Justin Lin, the director. And we would, uh, anything drifting related, anything car related, uh, I would make sure it was accurate as much as possible. And so you and Justin were homies or? No. So, <laughs> so there, were, there were two things. So one, I had just finished appearing in the Discovery Channel uh, rides documentary uh, with Reese Millen and, and everybody else. And, and so that was already out there. And then, so that caught the eye of... Uh, Clayton Townsend, the, the executive producer at the time. And then also uh, my high school buddy, Roger Fan. he was in uh, one of uh, Justin Lin's films, uh, Better Like Tomorrow. And mm-hmm. he was my good high school. So he called me. He's like, hey, bro, uh, I, one of my friends, the director, we're looking at the next Fast and Furious, thought you'd be great. You have you have free time. You can meet him up, meet me meet with him. And then at the same time, I got through Universal. We want you to come in uh, possibly to help us. And so went to a cafe in, in Hollywood, total Hollywood scene, just, just cliche to everything you can imagine about it <laughs> happened. Um, iced tea, sunny sunglasses, yep. you know, sh- <laughs> gotta have the glasses. And so he's like, Hey, we, we, you know, and I don't know if they're going to get on my case, but you know, basically the, the gist was we number two tanked. Um, we're, we're probably going to, we don't even know if this is going to go straight to video. Um, we have a budget set aside. Um, we're going to do drifting. Uh, we want to make it as accurate as possible, and we have no headline actors. Everybody's gone. Okay, so all right, so you know, and then it's Justin's first movie, and so we're like, okay, so <laughs> oh, so nobody expected it to be good. Yeah, and and um, you know, Paul, I, I don't know if it was fired or quit, but they, they were all gone, and so so we had this new cast, um, and the cars were the heroes, and so uh, I said sure, went on location scouting uh, with them for a little bit, signed on. Uh, and then I got to hang out with Justin, totally cool guy. Um, you know, knowing Roger, Roger fan at the time really warmed up and, you know, got that trust going. He's like, Hey, this is my first big movie. So I, I treat it. It's like, it's like a circus. Like once you're in the crew, you're in the crew, right. Mm-hmm. And the, the, mm-hmm. the lighting makeup people to this day, a lot of them are still the same from, from Tokyo drift. Right. Okay. So, wow. um, so I shouldn't have left. Right. But, but anyway, <laughs> so no, no, but, but, um, so suddenly we sat down he's like, here's what we have. And here's the script, go home and look at it. And it was just garbage. It was oh. like terrible. I was like, it was the same trajectory that number two was going right. on, but worse. And, 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 and so the script was, you know, it, it was the story that we saw, but just the, the artwork and whatever. And, and, and just like, Hey man, we got to just tighten it up a little bit. And I'm like, yes. And so we started by really toning down the cars as much as we could. And we would get to a point where they would say, Hey, Toshi, this is not a documentary. Yeah. This is Hollywood. Oh, you gosh. have to give a little bit of a dream. Oh, mm. man. And, and, 
And, and then Japan, you know, I'd be like, that's not accurate. That's not accurate. And he'd be like, Toshi, this is my Japan. So, so oh. you know, <laughs> robots. Yeah. But in pre-production, I, I had the rare opportunity with number three to go from pre all the way to red carpet. So I mm-hmm. got to see the whole thing, even in the, the cutting room. And, and sometimes you, you set it up, but you film it and it doesn't work. Right. We were really lucky because they had two units, production teams, and one was with all the drivers. And so I never, I rarely got to visit them because we were doing it concurrently. Mm-hmm. So Reese and all those guys, you know, we'd be like, what do you think about this? We see the footage and we're like, oh, it's good, you know, whatever. Um, just m- as minimal, if not any CG, as much as possible. And so we, I think we did a pretty good job. There's a couple that we had to, but, um, you know, and then just, the sequences just over and over we would just go over the driving ones and and so that that unit did an awesome job i think and and then we were and then so i was also working with the actors also to they didn't know anything about it so you know you had to like the steering wheels that they had yeah mm-hmm. connected to another steering wheel that i was holding so yeah. i was doing the feedback yeah oh and when they gosh. would let go i would flip it sometimes <laughs> oh and they would flip God. the other way and and they would counter steer you know and so sometimes if you look closely it's an I, sometimes I get excited. I flip it really quick. And so like, it's not that much counter It's just like, and they're yeah. like catching it. Yeah. And, wow. but, um, yeah. But so that, that, that was sort of how it was. And, and obviously it's, it's a huge crew. You know, yeah. I, my participation on it, I would give 100% and I don't know how much it got diluted. You know, mm-hmm. I was happy at the end, but um, you know, that's all you can do. And then we had, I had already experienced uh, with number one, fast and furious one with apex sponsoring oh. and giving product oh, okay. a lot and with uh keith's car with the car so i had already known the uh the guys that were already working on the, the movie cars mm-hmm. and so that made it a lot easier too i mean they didn't by then they didn't need much direction they were like okay so we're just gonna keep once we had the cars sort of dialed in yeah the rest of it was you know is this realistic would mm-hmm. the car move like this no it wouldn't you yeah. have to give it more give them more space you know and, and stuff like that so that's so cool uh, who's can you tell me whose idea was the parking lot, the parking structures? <laughs> Location scouting had already found that plaza yeah, and it was already abandoned. And so there was that circle there. And, and, you know, I had obviously said, dude, you got to drift up that, you know, and if, and also if you're <laughs> simulating a Japan one, they don't have those kinds in okay. Japan as much. Yeah. So I think it'd be super cool. Um, and they tried everything on it. They, they did the drifting up. They tried it with <laughs> dummy cars, with uh-huh. rails, all kinds of stuff. But, um, you know, it's just now kids can do that. No problem. But back then I was like, what yeah. are you talking about? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parking lot. Wait a minute. <laughs> it's, let's just say, though, like, it's just Hollywood, like, is just on a whole nother level of, you know, yeah. and it, I can only imagine what the space, you know, F9 is right now. Like, I, I don't even know what's going on with that. But like, like, but seriously, even after four and five, like, we were still like, out. we were like, we were the garbage movie, you know, and I, I never got to. You know, I never got to be on set with Paul Walker. I never, Vin right. Diesel only came back on after he saw a clip of the movie and he agreed to take over the rights. That's why he decided to do the cameo at the end. Until then, nobody cared about our movie at all. Right. So, um, and, and, you know, only only Sung has really remained active, you know, um, yeah. some of the other guys here and there. But like the mood back then during set was completely focused on different people. Got it. Um, people would come on set. Yeah, you know, this is my movie. You know, like mm. totally different. 
Um, so, so I'm just having a fun time sitting back and watching how everything unfolds. Right. I, I never try to go out and, and brag about any of it. It's just, it is what it is. Right. So I think this is the first time I've ever even talked about it in person. Like, it's just, it's become a cult classic. And like, unironically, I've heard plenty of people say that it's their favorite because it's just yeah. the most true. Yeah. Isn't that, it's so ironic, but we knew though, that there were certain elements like that if you're in a car, you can't deny it though, because, you know, like just the movement of the cars mm-hmm. or like the, the, as, as accurate as we could, you know, and behind the scenes, like, you know, I'm drinking with Keiichi, you know, we would only meet because I know him really well through D1 and all this stuff. I even do WTSC with him. So I've known him even through Apex and stuff. So, you know, we would call each other. Hey, you're going to go to that shoot by the dock. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. And, you know, so what do you think? Have you seen any of the footage before? Are they going to make it embarrass me? You know, are yeah. they going to, no, 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 it's, it's okay. Right? But, you know, he was in the B-rated movies when I was in yeah. just starting off street racing. And yeah. I'm like, I want to be like you. And those like yeah. total 90s R30, when the R32 was brand new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Oh, when he does and the arm flex. Half naked, naked, <laughs> yeah. posing in his. Yep. But, you know, I'm like, dude, this guy is the man, yep. right? Oh, I could go into whole yeah That's other hot. thing with him, That's but hot. it is yeah. But uh, but my last question is, um, did you get paid good? <laughs> Actually, no. Um, I got paid. Th- what they said, like I didn't know how to negotiate. Oh. So, like they were supposed to say, like that the good actors and the good people get a cut of box office. Yeah, oh. residuals, right? Or or like yeah, yeah. or. But low the peasant staff crew members <laughs> they don't get that, and, and because I wasn't SAG and I wasn't yeah. all that, like I didn't even get the union. Oh. So they're like what do you make in a year? And I was like, oh, da, da, da. and they're like, so we'll just give you a little fluff on top of that. And, and that's what it was. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And then they just pay you bi-weekly. Yeah. And that, that's it. Yeah. So, so I never went in, I never went in as a, a money-making thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but it was, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun, but, and, and actually back then I was a sellout. Like I remember for that <laughs> year while, while we were filming, because number two was so hated. Yeah. But back at the time, around the people around me, you know, they they just, Paul wasn't where he was as an actor yet. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, you ruined our industry. Yeah. What, mm. what are you guys doing? Yeah. Right. And you're, you're helping them. So I got a lot of flack from even my yeah. coworkers. I think that's something that a lot of people, a lot of the younger generation don't realize because, uh, I mean, uh, because of the podcast, because of my, um, involvement with like drift events today like judging drift mm-hmm. events i, I get yeah. to talk with a lot of the younger generation a lot of the maybe the current generation of young drifters today and they always tell me that the fast and the furious franchise was is why they're drifting so because of the mm-hmm. first few movies the 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 uh tokyo drift um that kind of um like was mesmerizing to them. It was they they saw it and they knew that's what they wanted to get into. So they idolize all of those, the the you know the crazy ricey cars from the first video, the first movies, and um, the power of media. I mean, yeah, I got yeah. those comments during JDM Insider, and that was like the the heartwarming ones. You know, we yeah. started drifting and tuning because of JDM Insider. And right. then when it got to Fast and Furious, those same guys like, you ruined it. <laughs> yeah. oh, all no. these oh. all these guys are coming in, yeah. blowing, you know, ruining the industry, the events. And so I, I got that negative flack yeah. for the first I, Toshi, year. I remember movie. feeling that way. And I remember right? not wanting to watch the movies because yeah. I was no, afraid I was of like, what <sighs> it was going to do. And, and, you know, we were still, we were doing a lot of drifting. Or, or When Fast and the Furious 1 came out, we were still driving Toge and... 
mm-hmm. and doing all the you know street drifting and stuff. And I was so afraid that when that movie came out, the cops were just going to get us uh, for everything. People yeah. were worthless. Yeah. 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 And when I got that call to double, I was like, ooh, <laughs> fast enough. It's serious? <laughs> and, yeah, right? And I it felt, was cringe. Yeah. I yeah. felt like you probably felt, I mean, on a, mine was only a tiny role that I got paid like $150 for. But I mean, it was just mm. like... I had that conversation with myself, like, dang it, like, am I going to be a sellout if I do this? Like, well, should I tell anybody? But this is a really cool opportunity. Yeah. Once it's in a, a valid lifetime. concern. Yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah. And and so I ultimately went through with it because I was like, dude, this is so cool. Forget everybody else. Yeah. Like, this is like once in a lifetime opportunity. I'll never yeah. get to do something like this yep. again. So my, and now you guys was, are celebrating. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, no. My take was like, I, I, I felt like self-conscious obligated to try to fix it when i yeah. saw the script i was okay. like dude this is gonna this is gonna be worse if we don't fix it so <laughs> I was, I'll, okay i'll help whatever, uh, whatever. So yeah that was sort of my trigger to get to get involved like i didn't know enough about hollywood to even want it because right. i was an actor it didn't matter right, right. they yeah. weren't gonna pay me that much so i was yeah. like right. but dude this is bad so i'll, I'll Sure, yeah. why not? Yeah. So. It was going to get made with or without you. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, and they actually said that to me. They actually said that. <laughs> it's going to happen with or without you. And I was like, I feel oh, terrible. You're like, right. I'm on. I'm on. <laughs> I'm on. I'm on. Yeah. 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 Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's well, right. They did say that. Well, thank you. Thank you for doing what you yes. did because uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if you get this, but anytime, you know, maybe one of my coworkers will find out somehow that, I, that I'm in a drifting. And then the first thing they say is always, oh, like the Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> and, and you know, uh, what am I going to say? You know, n- no, it's nothing like that. No, uh, it, it is a little bit like that. But I can only imagine if, it, if that original script came out without your help, how much <laughs> worse it would have been. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, yeah, no, it's just it just It just happened to work out okay. So yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah. Thank you. We really appreciate you. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, and so this segues into, you know, I, I saw an R34 on the set. I saw Skylines on the set. And it kind of brought me back to our Motorex conversation earlier in the podcast. Mm. And I, I, you know, I pull out the heavy hitting questions. I've been really quiet this episode. So I need to speak up because yep. my producer always tells me that I need to talk more. So guess what, guys? We need to talk to you about Motorex. Okay, uh-huh. because yeah. you were like besties with the Motorex dude, and and yeah. like and it's funny because you even hung out with like Sean Morris, and he does the the Skylines uh-huh. these days, and like I I don't know if people listening even know, so I want you to walk us through what Motorex was, what happened, because not mm. everybody knows what happened, and I want your insider knowledge. Of what happened. My take on it? Yes. So, well, okay. So <laughs> the the climax part, the, the, the fallout from it, um, obviously I wasn't there or I'd be in jail too uh, or in hiding. So, yeah. so I'll tell you my, my involvement with it. Like I said, um, when I met Hiro and, and the Motorex guys, we saw him at the car show. And, and back then, life was glowing. Life was you know, yeah. bringing tuning cars you know, whatever. And there was a GTR there. And there were a couple people that had tried to bring the GTR in beforehand, uh, like Speed Factory and, and some other places. And so it already had a little bit of uh, a little bit of a momentum going, but but they disappeared. And and then and this guy's came in and said, this looks legit, right? They have like three or four of them. Got to be close friends right off the bat, uh, drinking buddies. Um, and that's where the close friendness comes. 
all in the industry. My my crew, the Apex crew, along with the Motor X crew, we all started just all hanging out, and and we started the Orange County Torrance, you know, back and forth, working, collaborating on on projects together. Um, eventually leading to JDM Insider. Um, and so we had a, a really good, good relationship. And and Hero, uh, like a lot of people got burned by him. I mean, that's the bottom line. And if, and if he burned me, like he didn't do anything to me personally um, to, to defraud me or whatever. But the fact of the line is he burned a lot of people. And so mm-hmm. for that, I think that's totally messed up. And so for the record. Um, so, now, so, so let's clarify Hero, hmm. Hero's involvement with Motorex, was it just mm. Hiro? Was it just him well, running everything? Or like, cause I know it was him and- Well, he was the president, obviously. He's he was the president, president of, of Motorex. Okay. Um, like Sean and those guys were more of the the technical, literally getting the cars to the- Logistics. Uh, the, car, the certification yeah. logistics. Okay. okay. Um, uh, yeah, if you're looking at all the devilish fiendish things, um, I, I would have to isolate to Hero uh, at the end of the day. Um, I, the last time I spoke to him was through a manager at one of the bars we were drinking at, who basically told me, Hiro has a message for you saying that uh, he can't talk to you anymore because, you know, what the- it's going to hit, it's going to hit the fan. He doesn't want to drag you down into it because he knows you haven't done anything, which I didn't. Yeah. Um, so that, that's it. And that was the last I've ever heard. And this is there- at a bar in Japan? You know, that we used to in, go to. The, we, no, no. Yeah, and over in here USA? in the US. And so. Um, and so I knew the manager really well. And he's like, hey, he, he dropped in and he has this message for you. And I was like, oh, okay. And so we <gasps> still had eight, we still had H2 Productions for JDM Insider as yeah. a sub company open. I had to get oh, wow. a lawyer to remove his name. And I, I got calls from the detectives uh, about my car and about my association because I was the most high profile. I was the one oh. out there on, on camera with you. Yeah. And, and as, as a, as a, working with a corporation, I had the response to my, you know, my 15 guys at the time too. So, so, you know, we just told them whatever we did, whatever we knew, like we just hang out and would party. Yeah. What financial dealings do you have in motor? None. I bought my car right. from, here's my receipt. Right. Yeah. And I just, I just go hang out. So, so that was the extent of, uh, you know, whatever, but I would notice when I'd go hang out, you know, our, our partying was pretty hardcore, <laughs> uh, you know, live hard, work uh, hard, party hard. Like we yeah. party like super hard, but I would, as we would go to the store, I, I'd notice more and more like, you know, the, the toolboxes were, uh, you know, like not as used as much or people, uh, you know, a, a rotation of staff members or you'd see certain cars that should have been gone that were still there. Yeah. Mm. Um, but you never ask about that. And I'm right. sure, you know, even at um, just the way things were like, you know, he handled the finances. And so, you know, you'd ask the guys, you know, you'd go into the lobby at, 9 p.m. and you see Sean and Ken and all those guys just like hanging around and you say hey what's going on yeah nothing like, where's your I don't know yeah. you know it's like oh what's going on with the car Pff, he only he knows we're just you know we did what we need to do we're waiting for the next you know and right. you know like oh, stuff like that would would increase and then I would go to the you know our, the bars that we would be going to and it's like yeah he was here partying till whatever, whatever or you know oh, yeah so it, I think that toxic mix of super partying turned into uh, spiral trigger yeah um and and you got to realize like everybody back then was at the top of their game. Like we were peaking at Hollywood mm. movies coming around, you know, the businesses were booming that the whole thing was growing. You know, you were like almost like a little rock star in your own right. Yeah. And so he's parting with all these people. And I think he just got numb and it's just, you know, desensitized and just things spiraled out of control. Cause the one, the hero that I know 
mm-hmm. before all that happened was, you know, he likes reading anime manga and he's almost, I don't, I don't say introverted, but you know, he's just, just a funny guy to talk yeah. to. Right. Yeah. You know, and, you know, but at the end of the day, it was pulling a gun on this and kidnapping and extortion, yeah. you know, that's a man <laughs> falling down. And right. I think that could happen to anybody. So, right. but I literally, and then it's like, he's like Bigfoot now. So me and, and, and a couple other guys, you know, uh, my friends, I am purposely not naming them, but whatever, right. God, whatever. <laughs> but you know, they're like, Hey, have you seen hero? And like, you know, where's hero? It's like, Oh, yeah. I heard last we saw him, you know, there's sightings in Torrance or sightings oh, wow. in Hawaii or sightings in this. Right. And you know, once again, I'll get a text. It's like, Hey, somebody says they might've seen him. Oh my, gosh. oh my gosh. Literally like Bigfoot. But, but I was angry at him. I was really angry for about two years. Like, Dude, what yeah. the, you know, what are you doing, right? Yeah. How could you do this to me? And after a while, I'm like, it has nothing to do with me, right? <laughs> I right. sort of let it go after all. Yeah. But I was also in that phase, in that peak, in the yeah. moment of yeah. like, I was a player and I'm like, bro, you, you ditched you me on the it. company. Mm-hmm. I have to hire a lawyer. Yeah. You you make a fool out of me in on, on film. Yeah. You didn't even consult yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, bro, I need to skip town. I'm going to, you know, commit a crime. I'm going to do what I'm like, yeah. dude, I, you know, so at that time, yeah, I, I was pretty angry. But um, so, so can you confirm what was he being what was he being investigated for? Because some of the some of us well, don't know everything. So, I, so. Yeah, but before before we get into that, let's let's tell the story of Motorex. I think we kind of uh, skipped over that. I just um, went into the the, the, the crime. What, 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 <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> the juicy right. the juicy nang 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 parts, but. Um, yeah, I, so I mean, Motorex Motorex was uh, the first company that I knew of that was importing r32 gtrs um and and they were making them legal to own in the u.s um Mm -hmm. and and it was so big that you know i would see them on like road and track and motor trend they were making it it was way bigger than just you know maybe like turbo magazine or something it was mainstream road and track was big back then yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. to get in there where you were mainstream yeah right like it's official like these aren't some little kids like uh, I could trust giving them my money to buy a, a GTR. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I mean, I, the rumors that I heard were that um, they were bringing in these cars and they were making them legal. But somewhere along the way, they stopped doing what they were supposed to do to make them all legal. So you can buy an R32 that was certified as a Motor- Motorex uh um, legal street legal car, but they didn't do what they were supposed to do to it to make it legal, and so um, I think some things. Uh, I mean, Toshi, maybe you have to clarify for me, but uh, something went wrong. Um, the government stepped in and started seizing a bunch of cars, and then there were other companies that were importing cars at the same time. And anyone anyone who had a car imported by any of these companies they started hiding their cars because the government was looking for their cars to, to, to crash. see. Yeah. Um, and it just, it all ended pretty badly from what I remember. So, it's so what's fiasco. your, what is your take on the crime? What was the real, what was the true crime? What was he being investigated for? So, so I, I wasn't there for the operational. So let's say somebody like Sean, right? Mm-hmm. Like I actually, my car, my, my baby car, the only person that I would have sold it to was through Sean. And that's what I did because he was the one that really legitimized the, 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 the nitty gritty of, of the federalization mm-hmm. and all that. So he, to put it in a negative way, he was the worker and hero was the boss. And so in that sense, you can sort of cut what the worker did as a right. good 
process versus what the business as an owner, um, what they were doing. You know, I'm going to get this new customer. I took his money. I promised it to him in six months. Right. Versus, hey, Sean, here's three R33s, one R32, go get them federalized. Right. right. So, um, you know, and, and if, and if the, if the, I think to the staff of Motor X for all of them, for their credit, you know, I, I have 100% faith that none of the shenanigans happen directly. Like you can't, you can't fudge that. Like you can't take it. Not you either don't take it to the federalization federalization place or you do, you know, Mm -hmm. to get the work done. Um, So, so that part, I don't know the details of whose car went to what I I do know that obviously some cars didn't because that's what started the whole thing. My, a lot of my information also was from that, uh, was it the super street article, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know some of that because mm-hmm. there were guys that worked there that were giving the, uh, the information on the, on the direct stories. And so I, I don't want to skew the story either way, yeah. but the feds and whatever I, I, I heard got involved, not because of the federalization problem. It was a money related problem or something like that. And then they got sued or whatever. And then, then when they came in, they looked inside and like, Whoa, you know, you're register. You're trying to federalize the 32, 33, 40, All is the same car, right? But they're not the same car. Right. Thirty fours are different from thirty threes. They all have different airbags. They have this. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, my car was like ding, 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 ding. Warning, warning. You right. know, so close the garage door, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm running on dealer place, and then the thirty threes. Oh, up until this year was okay. Okay, we we you know. So they went through with a fine tooth comb and looked at it, and then and then after that, you know, they just went back and they're like, oh, these fourteen cars, we'll just have grandfather them in it wasn't enough from here on out you guys are all illegal and then to you know fire and whatever then other people started bringing them in and that made it even worse yeah then the head hunt you know the crushing the witch hunt happened. yeah and that's when i was selling jeans in japan so it didn't really <laughs> you, were, you were all good <laughs> my, car, my car was just like lock and key <laughs> yeah just it was just collecting dust right and the oil coking up at the you know whatever but so yeah so i mean but but the fact is i think yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to throw it at Sean, but like he he's just he knows way more as far as the nitty gritty. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it was a, just a business management mm. problem, you know. Mm. Um, they they threw away an unbelievable opportunity. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, but but now in retrospect, like everything else we've been talking about, it just adds to the legend. Yeah. And you know, in 2024, when the the 34s are are out. Um, 24 whatever when they're all out you know i mean that's just adding to the stigma of it mm-hmm. now i'm in japan and I, I almost feel bad being involved and like you know you see an r34 over here it's a rare rare car now it's like yeah oh, we are hated for taking everybody's r32 yeah. 33 34 like japan tuners and the young guys they're everybody's angry because people are stealing everybody's car like all in the japanese facebook feeds the tuners supers are getting stolen oh, you know they're all getting stolen and and they're all showing up in in america and oh europe oh wow that's crazy yeah. so but mostly in america right now so yeah. a lot of hot hot r32s and 33s and 34s right and now you know it's crazy price but but anyways yeah so but uh very unintended consequences but i guess that's that's life yeah but yeah sorry if it wasn't so- the most like crazy you know scandalous thing <laughs> it's pretty scandalous i don't know i mean you were talking on the feds no, so yeah no. that's pretty good it's good stuff
So Toshi, how did you get involved with D1 Grand Prix? Ah, D1. So uh, obviously, like I said, we we had already had the championship drifting team with uh, Yoichi Mamura and everybody uh, in Japan. So we, my company, had already a, a deep relationship with uh, Sunpros, uh, the 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 guys who ran uh, D1 Grand Prix. I also knew them very well from our drag racing with the skylines and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and I'd been in a couple uh, video options from before. So, so when we, they, they were going to do a driver search. And so we had already brought the car, our car earlier and went to driver search here. Okay. We're going to do D1 driver search. Let's bring all the cars. And so they contacted my office and they're like, Hey, we need somewhere to house it. So we had, you know, 20,000 square, 24,000 square foot facility at the time. And it was my call. So I was like, yeah, dude, bring everybody over. It'll be a party, right? Everybody. <laughs> so we brought all the cars, rivals, anybody new, amateurs, factory works teams. They all came to our thing. It was great. We had barbecue, whatever, housed the cars, did the driver search that day. And they're like, hey, you know, can you just translate for its chia and whatever? Here's a, one of those mega bullhorns and just walk around with them. Okay. And I was still shallow with Keiichi, but, you know, at, you know, just enough you know it's great and it's like you know you're just talking and i'm just like he's like hey you know you you talk a lot you you're pretty good you know you want to try here just sit down here and you can we're not going to put you on video option though because manapi and everybody can be talking you're just sort of like the puppet yeah you just you just keep the locals entertained (laughs) right (laughs) because d1 for their credit but also for their demise Mm. all they care about is their own videos yes so that's their problem and that has always been their problem uh, with the way that they gear for the fans, whatever. And everybody that's been involved with the organization, especially back then, will tell you the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted it to be fun. And so I had no experience. I just studied up on the drivers and everything that I knew. And they just put a mic for a microphone there like, all right, hit it. And it <laughs> sucked because their video was only like two hours long. Right. But the event was eight hours. Yeah. And if you start with, training and you guys were always there too you know you you cannot have a silent urban deal so right. i'm like like talking for like eight hours <laughs> oh my gosh eight hours at a time trying to keep tons of antsy on the edge <laughs> like teenager to 20 year olds like happy and, and entertained and so right um yeah that's sort of how it started and and it just grew bigger and bigger i mean the first the first three were like that is all right cool yeah whatever it is they're coming in. Oh, whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, the fourth one, it's like down, you know, like Moto is saying, you know, down the 605. You're like, yeah. Oh, what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> we broke Irwindale. <laughs> yeah. And so you, so for the first time we, we ha- I had to think about what it meant to be a professional MC mm. host. Like I had to, I, I went on the internet and I had to, to think, you know, and I would, I'd have the heebie-jeebie. I'd throw up every time before every oh event. And then it's like, oh. <sighs> okay. You know, it's like, it was almost like I had to, to, to get that nervousness out. And there's okay, you know, here we go. And then once you start talking, it's okay. But like, yeah. so I never really enjoyed that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And then, so I just, some of the, you know, GT live when we were doing the night events, Super GT. And then, you know, at the end, you know, you do it for a couple of years and you're doing the the British series, Europe and this and that. And, you know, it's just, it just, it just gets overwhelming. So like, like, you know, I was doing it before Jared and everybody at from mm-hmm. and all that. And at one point they were gracious enough to like, Hey, you want to jump over to my side? And, right. and the only reason why I do want to do it was I just didn't want to talk anymore. Like yeah. I just, and it's a lot of work and especially keeping up like 
you know, with, with the latest news and what it right. is. And, and you can't keep saying the same thing over and over. So like, there's a whole nother dimension of talent that needs to be done. I was just, I'll never forget though. Like when you start a 24,000 or 20,000 person wave, you know, you're like, all right, <laughs> you're just on a whim. It's like, it's a little boring here. Well, let's stand up there. And then yeah. you're just like, whoa, you're like, I did I'm that. never going to experience this ever right. again, yeah. ever. Yeah. yeah. So, so, and none of it really, there was no iPhones that much. Whatever. So a lot of it's not documented except in, because I was cut out of all mm-hmm. the video options. So there's really no good records of a lot of the extended U.S. drifting event. Yeah, um, It's always been edited for Japan. So I always thought that was a, that was sort of a bummer, but, but, but anyways, yeah. So, I, and that was another reason why I, I really got sick of listening to my voice. Just like, <laughs> like Ian from WTAC had to really twist my arm to, to do world time attack. And even now this last year before COVID hit, you know, I, I really minimized myself to only working with Sia, just, I don't know. It's just like I'm over it. What what is it like working with Tsuchiya? Oh, it's great. Yeah. You hear a lot of bad and good stuff, but I think when you get to that level, like he he is, yeah, he is what he makes himself out to be. So um I think I don't know of anybody else that passionately really thinks about you're always gonna make business decisions that might rub people the wrong way. You have to go this direction mm-hmm. or you want to get paid for what you do. I get that, and that's totally fine. Um, but there are times for me, like the most important times, like, let's say it's trivial, but you're just hung over, you're tired and you could cut corners, but he'll never cut corners oh. or like, um, y- you know, you could be a jerk about it and, but not, but he will always get up and he will go down to the track or whatever, and, and he'll get it done and he'll make sure it's perfect for the drivers. And not once out of the 15 years that I've known him in any circumstance, has he ever even behind the scenes when I'm in the next room and he's talking to other people mm-hmm. been shady about like his purpose or intent uh, mm-hmm. for something on the flip side, because he's so stubborn and adamant about it. A lot of people are like it's a hassle to work with him yeah. sometimes. Cause you know, you, you guys in the, you know, the staff too, just getting thrown around, redo the K rail, do this. Yeah. Dude, who do you think you are, bro? <laughs> yeah. you know? So it's, it's a double-edged sword, but I, I think, you know, and, and he's almost, I think he's 60, past 60 now. Like even, you know, lately I, I, I just a year and a half ago when we were at the event, you know, he's so much energy though, you know? Yeah. You know, we finished a 12 hour event and he was driving some supercars, drifted some cars, you know, albeit not competitively, but just drifting around, sweating all day, finish at 8 PM, take the racing suit off, do all your pictures, mm-hmm. all fan service. Toshi, let's go to Sydney to go drink <laughs> right now. I got to get up at six in the morning and I'm on, on camera at seven. Yeah. No, you come with me. <laughs> Drinking whiskey until three in the morning, four in the morning. And that's when you're like, what a jerk. He goes to sleep. And to <laughs> stay up. But so, so it's a double-edged sword, but yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's mythical. Yeah. Super crazy. Super cool guy though. Do you remember, uh, you mentioned that driver search at uh, Fontana at California Speedway mm-hmm. for a lot of the U.S. drivers that were trying to get their license that day, mm-hmm. they were terrified at that event because cars oh, kept getting wrecked. Yeah. Do you remember yeah, yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Well, Fontana, yeah, the way they set it up was just like, just like treacherous. Yeah, it, it was, was like, yeah, it was on the wrong side people, of the K-Rail. People were trying, yeah, and people were going, trying so hard. You have to. Yeah. If Keiichi's yeah. watching you, you have yeah. to go for it. Yeah. You have to go for gold. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, 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 there were like t- at least two cars that were totaled after that event. 
um, just there was like a there were some bumps on on the entry, and uh-huh. I think a lot of people didn't figure it out. You don't you don't initiate where the bumps are. You do it after or you do it before. Yeah. If you do it at the bumps, your car is going where you don't want it to go. Yeah. Um, the, those were definitely the, uh, the, the the golden years. Like the people that were also involved in that, like like I said, nobody was the pro pro that they are right now mm-hmm. with the factory backed teams. Mm-hmm. And, and it's easy to look back and, and to say those are the great days, but they were. And, yeah. and I think, you know, Benson Sue coming up next to, you know, da, 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 da. and I, I remember because I was actively announcing and trying to get everything, you know, set. That's why I would know all you guys. And yeah. I, I would know last event, you know, had this and that, you know, yeah. going to the pits and this and that. And so, but I think, yeah, that's that's what gave that D1 era magic, really. And, and the people who remember, remember it. But because there's no leftover documentation of it, yeah. you know, now, you know, the next generation that was influenced, now they see Formula D. So that's its own whole um, culture, you know, in itself, this bubble, right? So right. so it's a it's a really, now it's, it's weird. It's an isolated era, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. I mean, a lot of people don't even know that I was involved in it, too. I mean, it's okay, but it's, it's weird. So it's like... Yeah. Really? I'm talking for like eight hours. <laughs> no. Well, no, no, no. in the U.S., the what is it? Uh, JDM option. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. they had yeah. your they had your your voice talking and translating for everybody. Yeah. So, so yeah, that it, was uh, the younger brother of Dai Chang, Inada Daijiro. Uh-huh. He had he had been a uh, successful businessman. He took over that and okay. tried to get those videos out, but yeah. DVDs weren't selling yet. We were just a victim of. Uh, we did everything we could, but yeah. During that event, while all the cars were crashing, did Keiichi ever question? Maybe did I did I not design this course the best way, or you know, did do you remember anything like that? Um, or was he I, like, yeah, this is making for great drama for out. my video? <laughs> I'm not sure if it was that specific event, but something like that would happen all the time, especially at the driver searches. Mm-hmm. And he would say, they're not trying hard enough. Ooh. So it was, it was never, <laughs> it, he would say, my guys are stupid, you know, monkey drivers, these Japanese guys. Mm-hmm. He's all, I've given them a career. I've given them something from their mountains to something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Any one of my guys could take their car and drive it or yeah. else I would not bring them here. Right. He's all, and I would not let them get on the plane unless they were qualified to. Right. And and that's his attitude. Mm. So you could take that as conceited. You could take it as, wow, that's cool. But Nomuken, Taniguchi, all those guys. If you watch, if you go back and watch the Ikatens and the drift uh, competitions from the video options, you know, even way back towards the late 80s to 90s when they were doing the team ones too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Nomuken was still a team, you know, Fukuoka National FNR racing. Yeah. And they'd come out with a sequence of score about five cars, boom, <laughs> center car comes out, yeah. two cars come back in and they go, and they're just, you know, and so they were like already stunt drivers back then. Yeah. Before it became trendy to drift. And so these guys, you know, the amount of time, and Japan has four seasons. We have, we now that we're here, you know, snow rain hurricanes dirt so mm-hmm. these guys in their bag of tricks they're all terrain yeah they're probably not as good as let's say a rally driver which i have amazing respect for but they're pretty close in that sense um it, it, as far as being able to manage gravel and different kinds of things which when they came here it was almost an unfair advantage you're all the guys you your guys this group sunny california barely uh. <laughs> you know yeah know the difference between good traction <clears throat> concrete asphalt little mm-hmm. bit of gravel and so then going back to your question if you're at a racetrack and you're like and what do you think about this it's like 
work with it. Yeah. Go, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Would yeah, be his. Yeah. yeah. So I'm pretty confident that's what he would have yeah. said at that time. I always wondered. I, I, you know, when I saw how many people were crashing, people, a lot of the drivers were really upset. And I, I always wondered, you know, it, is this what he wanted? Yes. Don't he quote would, me, but I think. He, yeah. yeah. Right. Makes um, sense. But yeah, I was like, does he want us to crash? Or does no, he? It is was he never just, that. Yeah. It, it, a lot of times, um, there were times when we would be in the in the booth and we'd be like, there's there's a, a bump right there. Mm-hmm. And then, so he would, if he knew about it beforehand, that's what the driver's meetings were for. Mm-hmm. So that would be the one chance. And and one thing that I did give credit is like all the driver's meetings. And it's like, hey, who has a question? Who has a yes. concern? Remember, we used to go through all that, right? Yes. And and as I would translate for him, you know, that's when you would be like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that. Okay, well, why don't we move this cone here? Mm-hmm. And you take a, a, a larger angle here, you'll transition and maybe you can get around it. And that'll be part of the scoring. Okay, why don't you guys make sure you add that in your mind when you're scoring? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think that helps, you know, their drift box now and all that's probably a totally different game. Yeah. That's a whole nother disastrous story, but, um, <laughs> but at least when there were qualified people who understood your car and mm-hmm. understood probably where you were coming from, they would sort of zone in and say, everybody at this skill level at this driver searches around here. Yeah. So it sort of scaled everything perfectly. And so in that context, it's like, Hey bro, just move around it you right, know, move right, around right. That, or slow down. Don't crash. You know, right, you'll right, get right. more points for not crashing. Yeah, so, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Toshi, let's, uh, let's talk about, drifting today um yeah. i know that you've been approached to do some judging um mm-hmm. how do you feel about judging hosting yeah the first thing i told them was about relevancy yeah and i think as much as i don't do throwback thursdays and as much as i try not to set myself in stone mm-hmm. you have to realize that when you're proactive about a certain community and certain thing if you're not if i'm spending my time trying to to learn about OEMs and prototypes and trying to do this, then I'm less time following what's going on in the latest round of Formula D mm-hmm. or Japan. Of course, my feed and all my Instagram, all of that is you know just saturated with information and cars, but I'm not going to events anymore. So I told them, I go, I don't think I deserve to be in that spotlight. And I don't do it for whatever, but if I saw somebody non-related or has been at an event, I'd be like, you know, what, what, you couldn't get anybody else. So I don't want to be that guy. Uh, um, so that particular group um, from Europe, they were like, no, but that's fine. Your history is okay. We actually have a guy that would take care of that for you. Somebody who's up to date, mm-hmm. you'd provide the counter commentary. So I guess in that context, it's, it's all right. You know, like, oh, dude, the blast from the past. But I, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, I, I don't know how that would work. I guess it depends on the the situation well, I, why i don't i i don't like where this, this no is no this is not going anywhere this is not going anywhere this is just about you know this is about throwbacks because um hmm. because all of the drifting stuff from when you and i were uh when when we were originally involved in the early 2000s it's making a resurgence and mm-hmm. so all of those all of those early 2000s cars all of those uh, those heroes that we had mm-hmm. um like that is um this is so nostalgic for the young kids today yeah and uh, and um I've noticed that it's i mean that's what the, I, I i think i say it every single episode how lucky we are that the stuff that we fell in love with is relevant today and so yeah. um um you know just the fact that they're thinking of you i think um oh 
That's it's amazing. That's it's, it's the biggest flattery ever. And and this is, I always tell people though, like I'm not an industry you know figure personality. Where I've never looked at myself. I'm mm-hmm. I'm like a hyper user. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, I'm a user. So if I get bored of my car, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm gonna sell it. I want to build a different car. I want to buy. But, you know, one of my old bosses also told me, if you're serious about building your car, don't build it yourself. Build a company that will build it, and you mm. can build more. Build a fleet of cars. Sponsor a team and change people's lives with that car. Right. And that struck me after six beers too. I was like, <laughs> 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 but but you know, you get these words of wisdom, and yeah. and you go to the top. And you look at the, you idolize certain people and you find mm-hmm. out they're jerks. And you look at other people and you're like, you're the guy that made it work. Mm-hmm. You have these moments throughout your career. And, and I've gone so deep in the JDM community. I've seen stuff that you shouldn't see. I've seen, met people that should be on the spotlight. And I've met people that don't deserve it. And, and it's not my place to say, right? Mm-hmm. But it, I just choose where I want to live. So mm-hmm. um, with this resurgence, I would hope that the people that deserve it can come out and the people like you guys that are proactively putting your face out there again, trying to keep it, you know, real, um, get what you guys are looking for, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that I'm happy to come out of the bushes and Hey, you know, I'm still alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks for remembering me. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, but, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I totally help you guys out too. I mean, moving forward, I don't know what I could do, but maybe to set the record straight or look back or, or to bring out certain people, but you just got to ask at the end of the day, why? Mm-hmm. And for me, cars was freedom, entertainment, expression, and yes. freedom to move around. I was the kid that got bullied. I, I was never chosen for sports. I grew up in Newport Beach, right? Super white. I mean, yeah. it's okay. But I was like the Japanese, Chinese, whatever, whatever. So I was the loser kid. And yeah. cars gave me equal footing to talk to everybody in the world. And, right. and everything I do is sort of a payback now for that. And more focused into JDM. You know, I, I love Porsches. I love Audi, but that's not my thing. Like I, I love, you know, the old four cylinder, this particular model niche right. market. And so it's cool because um, it's, it's, uh, it gave us a part of our own identity to be proud of. Yeah. So if we could structure something as an era to, you know, and give the people, the players, the credit they deserve, you know, give them more of a zone. Cause right now, uh, our tuning culture it's it's a mix of just blah cars and coffee blah photoshop rendering it's just like a mess mm-hmm. right and and then you have like certain feeds og racers this and that but they're talking <laughs> about like padding you know i don't know what whatever but so i i don't find myself in any of that and because option video stopped their transmission we lost communication with everybody in japan it's like the umbilical cord was cut oh, wow. with japan so all of the stories after a certain point in japan if you notice stopped news about taniguchi or whatever the drivers yeah. what about companies yeah you know in that sense maybe we should have kept jb jd Minsider going at least from the corporate standpoint of who's doing well whatever happened to you and where where did this go mm-hmm. you know what kind of cars so how did the platforms react to certain tuning you know what were the, the advantages and who was good at it you know and you only see tidbits of just people jumping out of the water like a dolphin just once in a while but there's so much that yeah. we lost and yeah. missed and there are certain people that know that so i think there's still a lot more stories to be told now that we have the platform and the means to be able to do that right i mean look at you guys got these crazy microphones now and <laughs> studio and yeah so i would if you're gonna do that and you know then i would support you going past 12 episodes oh, definitely. great hey we gotta do video in japan jdm <laughs> cider and... well, i'll be your driver i'll be your driver <laughs> I'll be your driver. I'll pick you up at the airport. Yeah. 
but um, yeah, but you know, yeah, I, but I, yeah, I think it's great what you guys are doing, but yeah, that's sort of my, my take on, on, uh, you know, what we did in that era and stuff, you know, and people are nice enough to listen for this, however long this podcast is like, thank, thank, thanks so much, but you know. You're right. I think I, we are scratching the surface. There are so many stories out there that, you know, right? there's so many, yeah. there's so many avenues mm-hmm. of discussion we can go down, like not even just to, uh, uh, teach young people about it. It's just like, you know, just, there's so many people that were involved that don't know like half the stories that, that yeah. surround them. So well, I think yeah. if they're interested, yeah, we have something to give them, but like, I hate it if we're just like, we did this. Yeah, we're, we're not right. trying. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely right. not. I'm D one. Yeah, <laughs> we are, we are you know not us in the furious. <laughs> <laughs> you can thank Maybe me you've for seen that. Me in. Yeah, right? <laughs> just looking for that plane Mark shot where everybody's <laughs> sitting in the seats. Just shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I always say that um, I don't ever ask a guest on this podcast who who does a good job promoting all of the things that they have done to help you know, mm. the, all of their contributions. No, I, I'm looking for the guests that that have done something that, that I've witnessed that I feel is important to um, the culture that we have today. And they're humble about it. And they're, you know, they're, they're fine if nobody knows. Um, yeah, that's, that's the thing. I mean, that's why even my website, like, it's just like, if you want it, it's there. Mm. It's just a photo album. But if not, like, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's cool. I mean, yeah. I remember it's, it's I remember when sport. I nobody owns it. Nobody owns it. Of course. Like, right. Yeah. No, I remember yeah. when I first asked you, you were you were kind of like, well, you know, I don't really, you know, well, I haven't done anything, you know, and and yeah. that's a, that's the answer I get a lot when I ask people. And but mm. but that's why I ask those people. <laughs> because I thank you. I yeah. I, no, yeah. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. All right, Toshi. Thank you so much. Yes. And we're gonna thank close out. Thank you so out. much, guys. Oh yeah. my gosh. We, we you know, I, I so, know that you're a busy man. You have a family, um, so I appreciate you spending time on your Sunday morning no, to to do this. My pleasure. It's yeah. great. It's great. Um, and you know, Very no matter warm feeling, yeah, yeah. Of course, the, these uh, these discussions of just like reminiscing about like my favorite times of uh, like the early like early two thousands with drifting and stuff. It's just the best for me. But um, hmm. you know, no matter how much you you think that um, you, maybe you didn't do anything. Um, but you are a facilitator. You have, uh, I mean, you're, you're involved with, um, what I like to call like drifting's grandfather. I mean, you were, you mm. were involved with, uh, import culture, um, before drifting could start. It's like we needed, we needed sport compact, mm. uh, like Japanese sport compacts. We needed, um, like the, we needed legitimate tuning companies to be there to make parts for our cars. Um, we needed, we needed drag racing to succeed and car shows to succeed before, before drifting could be popular. Mm. And so you had a big part in that. And, um, you know, on behalf of all of us who enjoy drifting, thank you for being a part of that. And thank you for facilitating a lot of this stuff for us. Um, it's very, I didn't do it alone, but yeah, you, no, you I'll, definitely I'll, did. You I will def- accept the thanks yes. on their behalf. <laughs> you, you definitely did not do it alone, but, but you were part of it. And, um, you know, and and also with Fast and the Furious, although it was something that I didn't like at the time, um, but you know, it it has helped people to understand what drifting is, even though if if it was a little fantasy like. But mm-hmm. um, you know, beyond the children 
at the time that it inspired who became today's drifters, it it's gotten um, it's helped people like mainstream the mainstream market to understand drifting, and maybe that has helped with um, you know drifting being accepted in terms of like being a legitimate sport, or it's helping professional drifters um, you know do what they do through sponsorship and support and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I just wanted to thank you, even though you probably thank, feel thank like you, you don't deserve that. it. Thank you. No, I'm just glad to be a part of the puzzle. Just yeah. Glad to like, boop, boop. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's all I am. Yeah. Yep. So, so thank you very glad much. It worked out. Okay. Yeah. It thank you great. so much though. No, <laughs> it worked. It worked great. And, uh, this is, uh, this is now my new favorite episode. So <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Toshi. And guys, that wraps up episode six of the Salady Mania podcast. If you want to stalk Toshi Hayama, you can visit him at stage-10, that's 10.net. And please follow us on Instagram at Salady Mania. And visit our website, podcast.saladymania.com. And just a reminder, this episode will also be on YouTube so you can see us live in action. And please leave us a message on our hotline. Leave us your questions or comments and tell us about the first time you fell in love with drifting. Leave your message or text 323-607-6075. And guys, we'll see you in the next one.